listeners, and welcome to the NK News podcast, recorded here in Seoul on Friday, March 2020. Sorry, Friday, March 20, 2020. It's a lot of 20s there. My guest today, joining me via Skype, even though we're in the same city, is Marta Alina to talk to us about a program that tries to pair North Korean refugees in South Korea with entrepreneurs and mentors. Marta Alina originally came to Korea from Poland for a student exchange that was over 11 years ago. Having graduated from Yonsei University Business School, she worked for a few years for a Korean conglomerate corporation that will remain nameless before deciding to pursue the path of a community builder. She is now part of WEAVE, W-E-A-V-E, a collective of changemakers engaged in social impact projects like Asan Sanghwe, and also runs Seoul Startups, Korea's biggest international startup community. Marta, welcome on the show and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me over here. So the idea for this interview came about because of a post that you put on Facebook a few days ago, or maybe a week ago, in which you asked these questions. Have you been thinking about learning and doing business in Korea and globally and pursuing the path of an entrepreneur? Are you interested in the social impact of the reunification efforts of both Koreas in the North Korean settler social status? Do you enjoy working in teams of people with very diverse backgrounds who are striving to make an idea come to life? So in this interview, I want to ask you to tell us more about that program and how our listeners can get involved. But firstly, uh, what is the Asan Nanum Foundation, which supports all of your efforts? Right. So so the whole program is pretty much a brainchild of a team within the Asan Nanum Foundation. And that's one of the biggest NGOs here in Korea, uh, funded by the Hyundai Group and established on the 10th year anniversary of the passing away of its founder, Chong Doo-yong Hejangim, who was a very pa- passionate man, not only passionate about doing his own businesses, but also passionate about empowering people from marginalized backgrounds uh, with the, the skills to be entrepreneurs. He believed that being an entrepreneur will make you overcome all your difficulties. And Asa Nanon Foundation focuses on teaching entrepreneurship, promoting entrepreneurship. They also have, they're running Maru 180 uh, in Yoksam, which is a a startup incubation center and a startup acceleration center. Mm -hmm. But their main focus is pretty much oriented around social entrepreneurship. Now, you mentioned uh, the uh, founder of Hyundai, uh, Jong Joo Young. He had origins in North Korea, didn't he? Yes. So his hometown is currently in North Korea, but his story, well, he's, he's a very interesting man, and I really encourage people to look into his uh, biography. He kept on, he, his family was a family of farmers mm-hmm. uh, uh, in a village which is now currently North Korea, and he kept on running away to Seoul, which was, I, I suppose, the nearest biggest city uh, in, in that area, because he really didn't want to be a farmer. He wanted to be a businessman. Mm-hmm. And his dad kept on going back to Seoul and trying to get him back. In the end, what happened is he did end up in Seoul. Then the war happened and he never could go back to his hometown. And I think there was always some sort of regret about that from his mm-hmm. side. And is that perhaps why uh, this project that we're talking about today also includes North Korean resettlers or refugees? So Tong Zhuyong, uh, if you read into his, his story, he did make efforts to connect both South and North Korea. He was kind of behind the Kaesong industry complex, or, or at least someone who pushed very much to kind of make that happen. He was always interested in kind of helping North Korean resettlers mm-hmm. uh, kind of 
set themselves up here in Korea. But ASA Nanum Foundation never really came around to doing an actual project related with the North Koreans until Asang Sangwe, which came to because members of its team that are running this program are very con- very much connected with the North Korean uh, community here in Korea, and they they themselves are very passionate about the subject. Okay, so to uh, simplify it for our listeners then, so Jong Ji-yong had a pen name, as many Koreans of his generation did, and that pen name was Asan. Which was the name of his hometown also. But it's also the name of a city which is not in North Korea, uh, a city down there near Pyeongtaek. There's also an Asan there, isn't there? There is, but uh, I think from what I've been told, there Asan back in the days was kind of a popular villages and towns. That's where it comes from, and that's also the name that we used to create the name of this program. So Asan, Asan Sanghwe, Asan is the pen name of Tong Jiong, mm-hmm. and then Sanghwe uh, is uh, the name of his part of the name of his first business venture. Uh-huh. Now, there's also an Asan Institute of Policy Studies, uh, which yes. is also uh, funded by the uh, the Hyundai Group. Is that involved yes. in any way? Are you connected? So they cooperate with the Asan Nanon Foundation, but not on this project specifically, uh-huh. at okay. least at the moment. And this project that we're talking about today is Asan Sanghwe. Yes. And what interests me about this Asan Sangwe program is that it seeks to bring together North Korean resettlers, uh, or some people call them refugees or defectors, as well as South Korean people and foreign people. Uh, there's an age limit. Everyone has to be under 40. Uh, but there are plenty of groups in South Korea that try to bring North and South Koreans together. But the only groups that I could think of that tried to bring North Koreans and foreigners together was for the purpose of teaching them English. So how did this idea arise of bringing together all three different kinds of people uh, for uh, entrepreneurship? So like you mentioned, there are a lot of programs, both government-run and privately fund, that uh, focus on teaching North Korean uh, resettlers uh, entrepreneurship. And there are some programs that also connect them with South Korean, mostly South Korean students. But uh, the reason that we wanted to create something that connects also with foreigners, South Koreans and North Korean refugees was based on a survey that we did before the beginning of the first batch of the program last year among the North Korean resettler community. And one of the things they were they really wanted for themselves was to be able to connect with the global startup scene, mm. uh, to have that global connection. On top of that, we also realized that having foreigners in the mix kind of helps things out in the sense that unlike South Koreans, they don't have prejudice or negative pre- mm-hmm. prejudice against North Korean resettlers and more more like curiosity. And that would kind of even out the dynamics in already a very diverse group of people. Yeah, because I, I've, 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 when I first heard about this idea last year, I thought, what a great idea. Because, uh, you know, for a long time, I thought that uh, North Koreans and South Koreans, um, on the one hand, they're very similar. So that's a good thing. But on the other hand, they're so similar that actually that can lead to a burden of over expectations on each other you know that uh, and and that comes to, from this idea of the uh, recovering lost homogeneity which is often talked about in south korea right this dongjil song hwebok that if we just get north koreans and south koreans into the room for half an hour surely uh, by the end of 30 minutes uh, they will be exactly the same and no. it, it will be as if there had never been uh, a division on the korean peninsula and everything will be fine and and you're saying that you know partly because that 
that doesn't happen because there's these prejudices and, and different expectations that arise, that having some non-Korean people there can, can even out this dynamic, as you say. That's interesting. It, it, it is. It is. And I would say the foreigners in this program hold a very important role because they're kind of mediators, facilitators between two Koreas. Hmm. Not they, they're not even aware they, that they are, but but because they have in the whole communication dynamic of the group, they kind of hold that middleman ground. Mm -hmm. And it really it really has helped out in a lot of situations, because I think the biggest struggles that we always have, and regardless if if it's North Koreans, South Koreans or or foreigners in general in entrepreneurship, the biggest challenge is always making the team work. You always have different people with different ideas, different backgrounds and you have to find someone that kind of can mediate the whole thing through mm. so having that sort of like middle ground always has really helped us out a lot are you aware of there being uh, case studies or, or histories of um, north korean and south korean uh, startups where that relationship turned sour and things went bad and the whole startup was a failure i do and i, I, will, I will say more i know cases of North only North Korean startups where things turn sour because mm. at the end of the day, yes, your your I guess national background does the, does influence how you communicate, how you work. But mm. at the end of the day, it's how you work as a group of people, as a team. And if you cannot coordinate your personalities and communication styles, no matter how hard you try, you're bound to fail. So that's why a lot of accelerators, global recognized global accelerators, they tell their their pupils that the teams that join their programs they tell them your idea is second tier like you can have the greatest idea in the world to solve all the problems of humanity but if you don't have a good team that will work well together you're not going to go anywhere so first and foremost work on getting that team working and then you can get the idea going right now last year uh, was the first year of the asan sangwe program is that correct Yes. So what was the biggest obstacle last year in getting people from three very different backgrounds to work together? There were several challenges. We did have a little bit of language and cultural barriers that mm. we had to tackle. Language, obviously, last year we tried to do the program bilingually. It didn't always pan out the way we wanted to. And culturally, I guess, we have to also remember that the foreigners are not a unified group. We had people from literally all over the world. So uh, everybody kind of brings something to the table and uh, having them work out what they want, how they want to communicate it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, also, in a lot of cases, having people open up and trust each other enough to work as a team was something we had to work on a lot. That's why a lot of a big chunk of the program was not uh, not only teaching the basics of doing business, marketing, writing a business plan, things like that, but also teaching people how to communicate, how to re resolve conflict, how to uh, make decisions in a team. It was a lot of work, but I think we got somewhere with them at the end of the day. <laughs> how, how many teams were there last year? So we had 11 teams last year. Mm -hmm. And then out of those seven went on to the next phase. 
but those that didn't actually one or two are still around there they did not give up on their ideas they're okay. still just doing it in a different format and we still try to support them even though they're not working with the accelerators that the Asa Nanum Foundation works with we yeah. try to connect them with our own networks the coaches networks and try to help them out as much as we can now you said there are different phases of the program so just tell us a little bit about that what are the, the phases so, so the first phase, we call it the incubation phase, and mm -hmm. it, it, it lasts for four months from the end of April to the end of August. If things go well, I, I'm, I'm giving very tentative dates right now because of the whole coronavirus yeah, situation. Yeah, put everything back, isn't it? Well, for now, we're for now we're holding on to the schedule, but we'll see how things go. Okay. Either way, so so the first phase is the incubation phase, where I, like I said, uh, there's the we try to intertwine a classic entrepreneurship bootcamp program with a communication and teamwork uh, based activities that kind of will both teach people very practical skills in doing business, but also teach them how to work together in a very diverse group. In, in the during that phase, we also go for about a 10 day trip to Europe, to Berlin, to check out the European social entrepreneurship scene and also have them kind of research their ideas in the European market setting or meet companies or institutions that do something related to their ideas and kind of exchange knowledge and and uh, and know-how. And then at the end of uh, August, uh, we will have a showcase where all the teams will present their ideas. So after the showcase, we will start with the acceleration phase, which will last until December. This part is run mainly by the three social impact accelerators, Sopong, MISC, and Krypton. And it's a very classical acceleration program with expert mentoring. The, the, they are expected, the teams are expected in that phase to also register their businesses, start like uh, establishing their better services, better products. They will get a, not a, such a small fund to, to help them establish their businesses and kind of get them running. And at the end of that phase, in December, at the beginning of December, there will be a demo day where we'll invite top investors from Korea and abroad who will have the option of choosing to invest in the teams that they like. And Asan Nanum Foundation actually has committed to a matching grant. So if an investor invests, say, 20 million won, uh, Asan is going to give 20 million as well. So you're going to get 40 million altogether. Gosh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Before I go on, is it too late? Let me just say, today's Friday the 20th. This episode will go up on the website next Tuesday, 24th, I think. Is it too late for people to get involved? How can people get involved with this if they're interested? It's not too late. We're accepting uh, applications until April 3rd. The first first step you have to do is go to the Asan Nanom Foundation website, uh, which is asan-nanom.org. So asan-nanum.org. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, if you scroll down, there's a, uh, there's a recruitment post uh, for the program. Mm -hmm. You have to go there, and through there you can go to the application uh, website. Or I can also give you all the links <laughs> that oh, yeah. you can post, post as well. And if you go, go there... There's a online application form which you can fill out. You can fill out the application form both in Korean and in English. Mm -hmm. However, in the next phase, so about uh, April 9th and 10th, we'll be conducting uh, interviews uh, with potential candidates. And we will be checking your Korean proficiency because, like I said, last year right. we did the program bilingually. 
this year we're going to do it mainly in Korean. Mm. We don't expect people to be fluent, fluent, but we do expect you to kind of follow along. Mm-hmm. And I will be there all through the program, helping people out and translating when it's needed. But I would say intermediate level of Korean is necessary to, so to the, get uh, on. On the topic scale, is that three or four? Where is that? Oh, gosh, I haven't taken topic for over 10 years. So I would say if you have a four, you're, you're, you'll be fine. But I, I don't like judging by the topic unless unless they have changed something with the, the exam. It's a very written based exam, right? But for us in the program, it's more about talking and uh, and understanding what people are, are talking to you. Right. So um, to be able to have a meeting in Korean and to talk about so, your idea in yeah, Korean. I would say more than your actual language proficiency, it's your communication proficiency that yep. we're insistent on. That, that you're not scared of talking. You're not scared mm-hmm. of even if you sound funny in Korean but you're ready to talk and to communicate, you should be fine. Okay. Now, last year, what kind of business ideas came out of the uh, incubation and acceleration program last year? Oh, we had several interesting ideas. Some were connected with the North Korea or North Korean refugees. Some were unrelated directly, but Mm -hmm. also very interesting. Just to give you a few, uh, one of them was a North Korean cooking class slash catering slash online uh, delivery service of Korean, I want to say snacks, Mm -hmm. but food, which is very successful, mostly because its founder, she's a very dynamic lady and a very... Is that Jessie? That's Jessie. Jessie Cook, yeah. Yeah, she's a very, she's a, she, she has a very, I would say, celebrity personality in, in a good, good way. So, so that's one of, one of the teams that we had. Uh, We also had a team that's called Wish School and they're, creating a curriculum, a program for children of, well, multicultural families, but Mm -hmm. but, uh, mostly focusing on children of North Korean women who were born in China. Mm. Hence, they cannot get automatically a North Korean refugee status here in Korea. Ah, So you mean that the the women are born in North Korea, but their children are born in China? Yes. So so, so when the moms come here, they automatically go through all the processes that that, uh, North Korean refugees go go through, and they get a citizenship pretty much automatically after several months. Right. Whereas their children, because they were never they they were never in North Korea to begin with. They they cannot go through that process, and they're both kind of outside the social system, uh, social care system. But they're also very much, I would say, outright bullied in schools and mm. and in in their neighborhoods. And and apparently, it's a very big problem. Mm. So so Wish School is trying to tackle that kind of teach tolerance, integrate South Korean, North Korean, and foreign kids, especially kids from multicultural families. They're doing that at the moment, mostly based on teaching English, but also through games and 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 other activities. Another one, a team that we had, it's a team that is uh, focusing on creating a farm to fork system in the sense that uh, a whole supply chain uh, tracking system where you can see where from which specific farmer from which specific field that piece of I guess vegetable or whatever you're eating came from and they're mostly targeting at the moment and they might actually end up working with wish school uh they're targeting at the moment primary schools kindergartens Mm. and primary schools so and and to top that off they're they're working with blockchain developers to kind of uh I wondered whether blockchain was going to come in there somewhere yeah 
so so we have a as you can see we had a mix of teams both uh very very social impact oriented like where school but also more tech oriented a few uh platforms sports oriented platforms we generally what we insist uh, during this process when we work with our teams is that think of ideas that for problem that are solutions for problems that you personally experience because right. if you are passionate about that solution about that pro- solving that problem you have a higher chance of succeeding now um apart from changing from a bilingual to a mainly korean um communicative approach what other changes are there going to be in this year's program how will it be different or better than last year <laughs> So so last year the program because it's such a novel idea of putting all those three different types of people into one place and and running an entrepreneurship program is for us coaches it is pretty much a learning process as well. Hmm. We kind of learn so you're by doing. So you one of the coaches, are you? I am one of the coaches. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so uh this year based on the feedback that we got based on the observations that we had during the program we decided to have more practical entrepreneurship classes, uh seminars, workshops, invite more renowned specialists from from the industry, but also have more compact communication and teamwork related activities. Last year it was I would say it's not a bad thing, but last year we focused a bit too much on the teamwork and the communication that we kind of didn't have enough time <laughs> to to do the actual business. That's never too good. But uh this year we 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 kind of re redid the program, redesigned the program to have time for everything. We also have less time in the sense that last year we insisted that our uh, participants uh, come uh three days a week. So Friday and Thursday full day and then Wednesday half a day. Mhm. But we realized that's too much. Like a lot of people are either working, even if they're working as a as freelancers, they still they still do need to work. A, lo- a lot of them are students that you cannot really switch classes around. This year we're cutting down a bit in a sense it's going to be Wednesday afternoon and then Friday full day. Of course in the meantime the teams are more than welcome to meet up to to ask for a meeting with the coaches. uh there uh, asan is going to offer i guess it's sort of an office an open space where they can sit and work on their projects and uh, when there when there's no activities going on but the classes and seminars and the main program will take take place on those this one and a half day a week now you also take trainees to europe you'll be doing that this year as well as last year is that right well hopefully so i mean <laughs> Uh, right fingers well, crossed obviously fingers crossed yeah. yes now, it, 10 days in berlin um first of all why berlin why 10 days and what value does that add to the program the reason originally asanano foundation wanted to take them to the, take the participants of the program to silicon valley mm. but we after studying a little bit more we decided that Silicon Valley is not really so much about social entrepreneurship mm. and also not that great logistically for such a big group of people. We decided to go for Berlin. Berlin has been growing a lot on the startup scene in the recent years, mm. especially when it comes to like I said social impact, but also local neighborhood needs-based startups. That's like startups that really try to solve problems of their neighborhoods, of their local communities. And we thought that that really resonated a lot with what we wanted our participants of our program to work on. 
on top of that, it was a pure coincidence, but last year it was the 30th anniversary ah, of yes. the fall of the Berlin Wall, exactly at the time that we went to Berlin. And that was, especially for the North Korean resettlers, that was a very emotional moment. Like, we, there people were crying because we did uh, organize a... I guess, a day of touring around the memorabilia of that era. And it was a real, it, it made a really st strong emotional impact for them. Did you but, also include the North Korean embassy as part of your tour? No, we had to actually be careful a little bit yeah, about sure. how we move around. I mean, it, nothing, nothing could happen, but like some of our participants are, do have that celebrity status. Mm. Uh, so we had to kind of be careful like where we showed up <laughs> but yeah so so but other than that we didn't have any problems and another reason uh, i mean Ber berlin is kind of our base camp but during those 10 days most most of those 10 days the teams are encouraged to travel all around europe uh, to meet european startups european institutions european uh, potential partners that are related to their ideas to their businesses that they want to do so we had teams last year going to Copenhagen, mm. which school visited the local, as you know, Copenhagen has a very interesting um, educational curriculum based on promoting happiness mm -hmm. and, and tolerance in, in, in schools. So they went and visited institutions that work on that. Uh, we had teams going to Paris, London, Barcelona. They were all over the place, pretty much. Now, that sounds quite expensive. It is. It is. However, the participants don't have to worry about that because the whole trip and the whole program as it is, is funded by the Asa Nano Foundation. Oh, marvelous. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that certainly uh, does take the burden off a little bit, especially for, uh, as you say, some of them are students and some of them uh, haven't got full-time jobs. And so that, that, that makes it a bit uh, easier for them. We don't want them to worry about that part of the trip. I mean, what, what happens is that Yes, Asana Foundation uh, funds the whole trip, the whole program. But during the trip, they, they are responsible for booking their tickets, their ho uh, hotels, and stuff like that. We want them to also feel responsible for uh -huh. managing the budget that they're getting. Oh, so okay. it's not it's not a totally free lunch. Right. And it's also not a, a an organized group tour where, uh, you know, you uh, organize everything and, and they just have to show up and... and no, you know. no, 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 no. Okay. No, we only organize... Like I said, little parts of the program, like showing the West and East uh, Germany memorabilia. Uh, we also organized uh, visits to social impact oriented startup institutions like uh, Impact Hub. We visited uh, Silicon Alley and Techstars Berlin. So, uh, but other than that, it's all it's all on them. We give the budget, but it's their responsibility to use it. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, it certainly introduces the element of agency very early on. Uh, now, Asan Sangwe is also about building a community. How is that done? How does that work? We, during the program, like uh, obviously, teams form bounds. And we form, as coaches, we form, uh, form bounds with them as well, working together. And even after the program, it's not that the program is over and we never talk again. We try to continue on with, well, currently it's mostly online, but also offline meetups. As coaches, but also as a fellow participants, we start to, we, we tend, we want to be still engaged in their lives and what's going on with them. So we do have a platform where everybody can talk to each other, communicate, mm -hmm. meet up. And yeah, it's like a big, big family. It's regardless if you succeed as a businessman or as an entrepreneur, we're still going to love you and support you. 
Now, are you familiar with a Singapore-based organization called Chosun Exchange that carries out training workshops inside and outside North Korea for North Korean people who still live in North Korea to teach them the basics of entrepreneurships and startups and pitching ideas and running a business, etc.? That seems like an organization that Asan Sangwei should have some kind of dialogue and exchange with, even though your uh, goals have, might be quite different in terms of who, which people you're impacting. Yes, I actually I, I met. I think his Ian uh, from Chosun Exchange last year when ah, he was Ian visiting Bennett from England. Yes, he's a former yes. podcast uh, guest on this show. Well, well small world. Uh, I met him last year when he was here for the startup uh, ecosystem conference. Mm, yep. Yeah, and and he they are aware of the program. I do have to update them with the current uh, status, though. We are not maybe working formally yet, but we're certainly communicating about uh, each other's activities, staying in the loop. Yeah, and d- does Asan Sangwa have any collaboration or dialogue with other overseas partners, or is it uh, still more Korean-focused? Uh, uh, Currently, it's mostly, officially, it's only Korean-focused, like all the partners involved in the program are, are Korean. But we do imagine that with the upcoming additions, the more the program grows and the more more of a portfolio that we have that we will uh, we will be also working with overseas partners to make this bigger and better for everyone mm. now what's your sense of the the uh, the population of north korean resettlers who come to south korea are they a very enterprising bunch do a lot of them start their own businesses i think the young ones the young generation the tangmadang generation they are surprisingly very entrepreneurial i would say maybe not entrepreneurial per, per se they're very driven and they kind of know what they want and they want concrete benefits from the program. They're not interested in a lot of the kumbaya part of, uh, of oh, the program. They're more like in- kumbaya, <laughs> they do get into it as time goes by, but they're very driven. They, they, they want ABC and they expect ABC, even though they do lack the maybe the skills for modern world business. They make it up with with the drive. Uh, in a sense, they're more more driven than the, their South Korean uh, counterparts. Their South Korean counterparts, I think, are very, they hold themselves back. They're very uh, scared of making decisions, whereas the North Koreans are, are much less uh, risk averse and they, they're ready to jump in. Yeah, I was going to say, so you're saying that the South Koreans are actually more risk averse than the North Koreans in this way? Yes, and it's it's usually, if you watch the team dynamics, it's usually the North Koreans who are pushing to, you know, jump into the deep waters. Right. Interesting. Now, is there a, um, or are there a couple of uh, models of, of North Korean entrepreneurs who have been successful, who uh, other North Koreans look up to and say, you know, I want to be like him or, or maybe more than him or her? Uh, you know, are, are there mentors that you're able to, to pull in from that group of people to come and, and talk to the, the younger North Koreans? Yes. In fact, one of them is uh, a coach at this year's edition, mm. uh, Joseph park coffee shops coffee shops and agricultural products he's also the obama fellowship fellow yes currently his his main goal yes coffee shops but his main goal is pretty much to create businesses that will also impact uh, his fellow north korean resettlers Mm -hmm. in fact he's the one who insists on us uh, not using the word refugees but using the word resettlers resettlers because he's he thinks that refugees kind of puts you in a that you need help mm. in, a, in a kind of a p- pitiful situation, whereas uh, resettlers is more empowering. And uh, he's very driven to do that. Um, business-wise, 
he, he's doing well, I suppose, but uh, it's mostly the, the mission that is very important for him and, and for us as well. Excellent. And people can also read uh, more about you at the blog that you have? Yes, uh, depending which one you mean, my private blog or the Soul Startups blog, but yes. I'm only <laughs> familiar with the angry, angrypolishgirl.com blog. I haven't updated it for a while, but yes, you can definitely go there and uh, and see what I'm uh, uh what angry rantings I'm going on about. Excellent. <laughs> mostly, mostly about the Korean startup scene and also visit the uh, soulstartups.com or where we also have a blog. We also provide content about and insights into the the uh, Korean startup scene. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Marta. I hope that lots of people listen to this and uh, join in or uh, find some way to support the Asan Sanggonghwe, Asan Sanghwe, sorry, in future. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for having me over. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it, wraps it up for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also consider buying a subscription to nknews.org where you will find the best and most up-to-date specialist journalism on all matters related to North Korea. Our thanks, as always, to James Fretwell and Chad O'Carroll for facilitating this podcast and to Arias Dare, our post-recording producer genius who cuts out all the extraneous noises, echoes, awkward silences, bodily functions, angry rants, etc. Costs involved in the production of this podcast were partially funded by the Uni Korea Fund, for which we are extremely grateful. <laughs>